0: Welcome to Grounded in the Word. Here in this podcast, our concern is all about the foundation or the soil of our hearts. The state of the soil or the state of our hearts, the foundation that we build upon determines everything just as it is with the building. If the foundation is not right, then the rest of the building will follow in suit. It will not be right. It will be unsafe, unsteady. Or if the soil that a seed is planted in is not good or pure soil, then what is grown, what is birthed from that seed will not be good, will not be pure. So we need to make sure that our foundation and our soil is good and right and pure. And that's all that we are concerned about here is just making sure that what we are planting in, the seed that we are receiving, making sure that it's going into good soil and making sure that which we are building up is built on a good foundation. I pray that you join us in this endeavor to ensure that that foundation and ensure that that soil is good. Welcome. Uh, Happy to be back in this new year. Uh, I know it's been a few weeks since we last put out an episode, but we did, just to say, in fairness, we did say we were going to pick back up with the new year. Uh, So this was planned. It was intentional. The take a, a little break for the holidays and all of the craziness that comes with it. Um, but now we are officially in the new year and uh, ready to get rolling. Uh, just as a kind of refresher, we, the last time we got together, we started a new series, um, new series focused on really what it means to be Christian And uh, that's a very loaded, that's a very, very loaded premise, topic, subject, whatever you'd like to refer to it as. Um, There's a lot of components with that. And in part, we're going to be semi-following a recent book that I wrote, Putting Christ Back into Christianity, Um, not succinctly, not... Uh, chapter by chapter, necessarily, but kind of jumping around, but following the basic premise of it, um, and because not just I know we we dog on <laughs> Western practices and ideologies a lot, uh, but it's not just a Western thing; it's really a worldwide thing that we have uh, really downplayed the significance. In the meaning of what it means to be Christian and Christianity as a whole, we've made it very one-dimensional when it is meant to be. Uh, you could even say four-dimensional. I know it sounds odd, but you know, three-dimensional, three-dimensional uh, is still something within our grasp. But it's meant to be something beyond what we can do in and of ourselves. So that's you know four-dimensional there, um, and so we really. Need to revisit what it truly means to be Christian and have a proper biblical understanding. You know, take take personal biases, take presuppositions, um, or pre, pre, um, presumption presumptions, uh, and preconceived ideas. Take denominational views out of the picture, because at the end of the day, none of those things matter. Uh, it is the Word of God that ought to be the the premise, the foundation, the the underlying structure for how we view Christianity and how we understand it. And so that is our aim, not approaching it from any personal biases, just but allowing the Word of God to speak for itself. Because uh, that's 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 key. That is that is key there. Uh, so this week. We're going to be jumping in and we're going to talk about, you know, a very prominent part of Christianity, but oftentimes one of the most misunderstood parts of Christianity and that is ministry. Um, Automatically, I can take a guess that when I said the word ministry, you probably envisioned someone standing behind a pulpit and shouting and spitting in your face. Um... To be to be sure, there is an aspect of ministry that is the 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 public vocation, the the uh, standing behind a pulpit, giving the word of God uh, to to the body in that localized area. That is an aspect of it for sure. That's important. That's key. But to limit ministry to that is uh, we really. It's to our own detriment if we if we if we limit ministry to that, and so we're gonna dive into this and kind of just unpack what ministry truly is and and what it looks like and what it means for us to to operate in ministry um so we're kinda kinda do a little q and a format maybe here a little bit jump back and forth we'll see exactly how we go, but um Pastor Fisher, when we talk about ministry, what is the foundational understanding that, that the foundational premise that you have regarding what ministry is?
1: Well, you said it, um you said it before, the, the first thing that pops in your mind is, is preaching, um, and ministry is far more encompassing than that. Um, but when you, when you talk about the full, um, understanding of, of what ministry is, um, you have to get more past, you have to get more understanding of the essence of being a minister, um, than the title, mm-hmm. um, because from a very shallow um, from from a very shallow perspective to start with, um, because this will make what I'm going to say next make more sense. Um, a minister in the Bible and in just culture, um, a minister position demands honor. Because there's reward that comes with honor, right? Um, but in that position, you're standing in the gap between God and man um, as a minister of the gospel. Um, so it it demands honor, but let me say, while it demands honor, it has to earn respect. Yes. So there's two layers to that, um, because demanding honor is something that you're. Position of authority or position of giving um, needs to be honored because that's what strengthens the minister to keep going. However, in how you how you conduct yourself and how you uh, give freely, that is what earns respect from the people. Because we don't we minister unto God, but we also minister unto people. Don't get those two things confused. You can't just go and minister to God, and expect people to to follow. Right. You have to take what you minister to God and what God gives back to and imparts back to you, and you therefore have to minister that to the people. So, the connect deeper the connection between the minister and God is creates a deeper connection between the minister and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's the full understanding of ministry? In part taking that, um, what is an honorable position and building trust and earning the respect of the people, um, through servitude, um, through acts of kindness, you can't be stingy. You can't be begrudging. You can't, uh, you can't, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of things we can get into about the qualities of a minister. Absolutely. Um, but as far as ministry in a whole, I think, um, a very good, uh, stair step to start on is just that it, it, uh, it is an honorable position, but it is one that earns the respect. And, um, to do that, you have to build trust, build relationships, and you have to be, um, be a servant to the people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we get into ministry and understanding the essence, um, and we get into the deeper um, deeper waters so to speak um, I'd probably I'd, I'd say it'd be safe to say 10% of a minister's ministry quote unquote ministry is behind a pulpit 10% maybe at best
0: and it, depending on uh, I would say depending on the the particular role and position that minister is in, they they may never stand behind a pulpit. True. Um, so if you factor in the totality of every ministry, uh, it'd be less. Yeah, you know, it'd probably be significantly less. Yeah. Than ten
1: percent. And that's that's where it's detrimental to understand. Don't quantify ministry by that yeah absolutely because then you become a frustrated minister yeah on the pew yeah um not finding your place um and something that's very important for for churches to do for for pastors to do for even ministers to understand in their position because um in a church any church you have a pastor you have staff mm-hmm. but you also have many ministers mm-hmm. um Biblically, everybody sitting on the pew is a minister. Right, yeah. So how you define ministry there is uh, is ever-reaching. Um, however, you will, you will have those that are called to ministry that are equipped to lead people to speak into their lives from a pulpit standpoint. Yeah. Um, but if you're constantly looking for that center stage, in the main sanctuary with the spotlights on you um, in the, the pinnacle Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night time slot. And if you don't get that, you get frustrated. Then the evaluation of what is my ministry needs to be asked. Yes. Over and over again. Um, Because you don't want to be, you you don't want to be frustrated on the pew, but you also want to fulfill your calling. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, So, so how does a minister um, evaluate that in their in their life when they feel frustrated and when they feel they don't fit into a mold, quote-unquote, and why, and why is there a mold that kind of saddles them with that, that responsibility? Is this a question you're asking me? I just, oh, okay.
0: Could be rhetorical. Could gotcha. Be, well, I guess I'll take a second to throw out an answer here. Um uh, so I recently started a book um called uh Maintaining Divine Operation um by Eli Hernandez. You mm. may be familiar yep. with yeah uh a minister that passed away back in
1: yeah
0: 2021 20, I think yeah. Um uh, uh so This book is mainly geared toward, it's it's a very interesting premise. It's actually, it's not a book that he wrote. It is at the church that he was attending in, I think it's Las Vegas. He felt, um, he felt an urgency within his spirit to teach and impart something to the youth and hyphen of that church because they were the next generation. And so pouring into them. Right. um, And so it's actually what the the whole book is. There's no chapters in the book at all. It's the various classes that he taught the the youth and hyphen at that church. It's a transcript. So they recorded all the things. And then when he, when he passed away, they took in word for word. So it's not written like a book. It is, yeah. is literally written like, written a, like a recording. Um, and so it's very interesting because how people talk and how they write is often very different. Right. Um, and so it's literally like you're listening to him talk, but through reading it because yeah. it's it's his words. um, And so it's a very interesting premise to begin with. And I've not too far into the book but it's also not a huge book so i guess i am a decent way through it um but a part i just recently read he was talking about humility and we've said it before on this podcast but it bears repeating Um, and he um, uh, gave or attributed to humility the same significance and importance that we have here Mm -hmm. The way that he worded it was humility is the foundation for anything and everything that God wants to do. Good. That if we do not have humility, God will not do anything in our lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, it says in Proverbs and repeated by James and Peter, he resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right. The word resist literally in the Greek Refers to an army staged against another, so it's God actively going to war in a sense against the proud, uh, but to the gr- but to the humble, He gives grace. And in the Greek, you know, grace is uh, how you pronounce it, Charis, I believe, um, and it's just you know a gift freely given. You know, typically definitions of grace, but in the Hebrew, in the original definition of that word um it's not the word grace it's um i think it's gives favor i think favor is the word in the hebrew and i don't remember exactly what that word is but it favor is a very interesting definition of that hebrew word because it really has nothing to, to, meet, to do with favor at all yeah. um that word in the hebrew actually refers to a uh, a clan a, a family clan or or a a, a nomadic family and how they would encamp their tents around one another, and so literally, what it's referring to is to the proud, he st- he stages himself as an army against them, right. but to the humble, he encamps with them. He makes yeah. them, he makes their lives his abode. Yeah. Uh. So too, you see the significance there. Dynamic. The, the right. you know, you have the one where he's going to war against you, and the and the other one, he's. And camping with you,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so humility is the is the foundation for everything that we do. And well, the way that Brother Hernandez says is that you know if ever we step out of humility, it's not that the seed that God planted in our lives will die; it'll just stop growing. The seed is yeah. still there. Yeah. And if ever we resume the posture of humility, God can begin to grow that seed again. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's going to say that God planted a seed in you and then you relinquished your position of humility for 10 years. It's not like 10 years later you're going to pick it back up and there's going to be rapid – no, you still have to go through that process of allowing that seed to grow. So it's not going to be – you're not going to automatically catch up to all those who have been in a posture of humility for the last 10 years. Now you're 10 years behind them and you've got to catch up. Yeah. and so it's not that the seed is destroyed; it's just dormant. Right. It's not doing anything, but it's still there.
1: Right.
0: Um. But the only way that the that because you know the Bible talks a lot, a lot about uh, the the analogy of uh, good ground, the seed, mm-hmm. the plant, growth, fruit. Right. Uses those analogies constantly, and so you know and sticking with biblical premise he referred to as a heart as the soil right humility in our hearts as the good soil mm-hmm. the gift of God has the seed and what allows that seed to, to to continue to grow and mature is the state of that soil or humble yeah. heart um, and so coming back to your question <laughs> um, what what allows a minister to or a called to be minister when they don't feel that they are operating in the level that they're called to or um whatever this that or the other if 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 there is i'll put it this way if a called to be minister is sitting on the pew and is frustrated with their current position, that most likely means that there is an element of pride within them that is undealt with. Because a humble heart is, so I'll use Brother Hernandez's definition. He talks briefly about humility and submission. He says, submission is losing your opinion. Humility is losing your identity. That's good. Uh. And so when we true, you know, when we have a heart that even has the slightest amount of pride, yeah. we have our own idea of what our identity is meant to look like. Yeah. And when that idea is not being fulfilled, that's when frustration and anger and discontentment come. Yeah. Because we have this premise in our minds, right. but that premise is not being fulfilled. Yeah. But then when you have a humble heart, you lose your identity. You lose that idea of what you think your ministry is meant to look like. And now it's more of the the mentality and the mindset and the heart of God, whatever you want it to look like, however you want it to sound like, however you want it to be presented, however you want it to be fulfilled. And when you have that mindset, when you have that heart of you know using the words of Jesus nevertheless not my will but your will be done that humble submitted heart losing your opinion and losing your identity that that sense of frustration will begin to dissipate
1: yeah
0: because you no longer have this idea in your head that you think has to be fulfilled in this particular fashion in this particular way but now you are willing to sit on that pew void of frustration, because now you are waiting for God to reveal what the identity of your ministry is meant to look like, not what you think it's supposed to look like, right. And it's, uh, it's, it's the the church as a whole, like we just talked about, you know, probably less than 10% of ministry is actually behind the pulpit. But the church as a whole has given a ton of focus right to the pulpit and so while so little of ministry has to do with the pulpit that's where all of our focus goes to because right. so much attention is given to it and so now when everybody thinks of ministry they think of the pulpit so they think if they're not behind the pulpit they're not in ministry right and so that's where a lot of that frustration comes from and so we have to restructure our understanding and be willing to understand that not everybody is called to the pulpit. And that doesn't make you any less, because let's put it in this way. Let's say that you are called to travel around the world as uh, uh, as a missionary, as an evangelist, or this, that, or the other. And let's say that you turn the world upside down through your, your missionarial ministry, but you never step behind a pulpit. Are you any less? You literally yeah. turn the world upside down. You no, literally... I mean, you might chill. be more. Exactly. But you never sit behind a pulpit. Yeah. And so that's where that understanding comes from. And the same premise, say somebody says, well, I, I'm not called to travel around the world and do this, that, and the other. Uh, I feel like my calling is, um, is you know, to, to be a teacher in a classroom. Okay? Let's think about uh, yeah. Barnabas and Saul. Saul would have never become Paul if not for Barnabas. Yeah. Barnabas was Paul's discipler. Mm-hmm. If, if Barnabas had never stepped in and stood up for him when the whole church was scared to death of him, who knows if two-thirds of the New Testament would have been written, mm-hmm. if the entire Asia Minor would have been uh, uh, Reached. reached and so while all the attention is given to paul really that would have never been if not for a teacher in a classroom so to speak right and so but and again it all goes back to humility right losing your identity as brother hernandez says um being willing to understand that maybe your definition of what your ministry is meant to be is not what it's actually meant to
1: be. Yeah. No, that's good. The, the idea of the... Or not just the idea, but the fact that you're the seat of ministry, sitting dormant, um, doesn't mean that your pursuit of ministry doesn't remain active. Yeah. And what I mean by that is your exact place... And we, 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 we linger... Looking for that exact fit to where do I need to be, yeah, and then we paralyze ourselves, yeah, um we wrap ourselves in a cocoon, we tuck ourselves away, and i'm not gonna I'm not gonna use my time anywhere, I'm gonna wait for God to tell me when to well, God told you in his word that you need to be prayerful, mm-hmm. you need to be fasting, you need to be telling others about the gospel, you need to be reaching your the lost, reaching your family, your friends. You need to be serving in the kingdom. There's, there's principles that you should be obeying and have discipline because that may be why. And, and those disciplines root out the pride and other yes. things and help us remain humble to where those prerequisites are needed for that, uh, for that seed to be brought out of its dormant stage. Um, and for God to give a word and release that seed to grow. So when we, when we paralyze ourselves, when that seed goes dormant, then we limit ourselves to even when we can, we can re- reclaim that, um, that path and that journey in our life. And that's what I think people miss, is yeah. that they, they value things over things and not just it's kingdom work. Yes. If you just identified everything in here as it's kingdom work... And it's the old cliche, I, the, more I, the more it's said, the more I say it, the more I don't like it. But sure. it, it is, it's the old effectiveness of saying that if you're cleaning a toilet in the house of God, it's kingdom work. Yeah. If you're preaching behind a pulpit, it's kingdom work. If you're driving a, a Sunday school bus, it's kingdom work. If you're uh, standing at a door as a greeter when it's 10 degrees outside, opening the door for people, snow blowing in your face, it's kingdom work. Yeah, I'm not going to ask. So there's there's things that you do around that it's you just have to identify it as it's kingdom work. Right. Um, and I'm not I'm not gonna say this at all to identify that there's a greater or lesser um ministry, as I just said, that it's all kingdom work, but how important is it just to be a faithful and faithful is the key. But how important is it to just be a faithful Sunday school teacher?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: There's study. There's work. There's prep. There's yeah. creativity. There's a lot that goes into it. Trust Absolutely. me. My wife, uh, had done this. My my my. Uh, I've watched my mother be a Sunday school teacher for forty years, probably. I mean, it's um, it's all it's all. Some people have even known is that's what they do. But if there was nobody back there teaching our kids. Day in and day out as a consistent voice, if they don't catch more from what's being said, they catch more from who's saying it over and over and over again. The fact that they can graduate out of Sunday school in a church and look back when they have kids and maybe see that the same Sunday school teacher that taught them is teaching their kids. Yeah. That's faithfulness. Yeah. You don't have that very often. No. So what legacy can you leave? Mm just by showing up and leading a group of kids yeah so again kingdom work humility um finding out what ministry looks like and and not putting a brand on it but just saying this is where this is where i fit Mm -hmm. this is where god's god's called me to absolutely um and sometimes i think we 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 re, um, I'm going to make up a word here, so prepare yourself. <laughs> we religify some things. We do, yeah. I don't even know how that, what's the definition of that word, but it, it seems like it fits. Yeah. But we make it too religious. We make it too spiritual. Yeah. Um, and some things, Jesus probably woke up and did start preaching a sermon on the mount. There was probably a walk that he had to do, just getting conversation with the disciples and... I mean, he's flesh, too. Right. He's got to get himself prepared. Yeah. So there's just some things that you got to wake up and do before you start doing absolutely ministry. Yeah. Um, and that faithfulness, I think, translates mm-hmm. and affects what you do.
0: Uh, and, you know, one one of the things that you mentioned at the outset when I first asked you that question of what the foundation and the underlying premise of ministry is one of the last things that you mentioned briefly was relationship, relationships. Right. Um, and I think that is one of the um, how, how to say this, one of the most overlooked aspects of it, right. not but in multiple facets. Yes, in regards to people to people. Mm-hmm. But Looking to the book of Revelation, God spoke through the apostle John, uh, speaking to the church of Ephesus, praised them for all the work, all the ministry that they had done, saying that they did this, that, and the other. Thou, they, you know, they they were the standard for what good work in a church looked like. But he still ridiculed them, not because they failed in in regards to. Um, uh, their relationship with people necessarily but they failed in regard to their relationship with God. Right. He said that you left your first love right? and so God said a really big key that we need to hold fast to whenever we do not just talk about ministry but when we begin to actually dive into ministry is that you can get so busy doing the work oh yeah that you Usually. overlook and disregard just being right. and
1: having that relationship. Um, I don't know if you want to tackle that. Um, Eugene Wilson, in uh, I believe it's, a, I don't know if it's in his book, uh, 70, um, or just in one of the times I heard him speak. But he talked about, and I think this actually came from his dad, um, uh, Pastor Wilson up in uh, Sheridan. Um, <clears throat> but he he said, "You get lost," um, or he said, "Don't ever, don't ever lose and forget to become." Because in the in the get lo- getting lost in the doing, you forget to become, mm-hmm. and he said what that means is you you never can lose sight of what you're growing into by what you're doing so that leaves the premise to everything that we do what are what's your next step what are you growing into
0: yeah
1: um a seed buried in the ground is is biblical it's it's to you right now it's lost you you may not even remember where you buried it Mm -hmm. um but shortly if the seed is good seed it will spring forth and you'll you'll see where it was buried yeah. because there'll be fruit of that location um but if you bury that seed and you come back in 5 years and there's nothing there then that's a problem yeah um and the the only ways that that is not um that a seed is not bringing forth that fruit, is one, if it's not buried, but two, if it's not tended to, and if it's not watered. Absolutely. So there's care that we have to put forth to that. Um And that care is... So the dynamic of the age in ministry is something that plays a role in this as well. Um Because when you think about the na- dynamic and talk about relationships, okay... A relationship back in 19, I'm not going to go back farther than the 80s, but even the 90s, a relationship back then, if you had a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, right around that time, you may have been even still writing them letters. Right, yeah. Um, Writing them letters back and forth. I know when I was a young kid, I wrote a few letters, Um, but then you got the telephone, You didn't have instant messenger, internet, all that support. I went over to a friend's house and he had, I think he had like five or six people that he was talking to at the same time. And it was all through instant messenger or not instant messenger, whatever, whatever the MySpace and all that stuff came out. Okay. (laughs) But he had, he had like six different conversations going on at the same time, six different screens that he was. And I thought it was like, I was, uh, George Jetson or something. It was just out of, (laughs) It was out of this world to think that he was like, what are you doing? Like in the background, I'm hearing the dial up sound of the, the internet, but you would pick up a phone and you would call and you would talk Yeah. because you may not be able to, to be there or something. But now it's, you've got FaceTime, you got all this, you got connectivity, um, other things, but to that same thing, if you talk to a lot of people today, they don't want to make a phone call. No, no. They want you to text them. Yeah, and yep. it's the text. So many things, and just just from a pastoral standpoint, so many things can get lost in words, in a text Absolutely. that do not get lost in a conversation.
0: Yeah, because you can't hear the tone of voice, their attitude. You exactly, none of that. Yeah,
1: jokes are taken wrong. Yes, I mean, just words are said wrong. Yes, so context is is removed. Yes. So but that's that's the age that we live in too. So when we talk about the connectivity and building relationships um I'm not saying it's not without hope, but we do have a struggle. Yeah. We do have an element there that we are fighting against um and especially every generational shift has that and I feel being 40 years old right now, I feel like I'm in the middle of two generations. And it's the perplexing time of trying to figure out how to be that bridge. Yeah. Because sometimes you're on one end and you're imparting to the other. One time you're on the the, the earlier stage and you're receiving and you're growing. But then you're in the middle and you got to figure out how can I be a bridge? Because sometimes they're, the older generation is throwing out wisdom and the younger generation has their net ready to catch it, but... The older generation isn't throwing it as far. It's not reaching. So the middle generation has to be that bridging the gap mm. to where it can, it can catch the wisdom, live it out, and impart it. Yeah. So our roles in ministry change with our age. Definitely. I think they change with our position. They change with our, uh, the dynamic of our locations. Um, because what I used to feel that I was, strong in the faith, running, gunning, I mean, ministry, I just, it was, I never felt like I was finding ministry, I felt like there was ministry all around me, because that's what I was taught, yeah, I was taught that when you wake up in the morning, there are things to do, right, so when you have that mindset, and you walk into the house of God, if there's, if there's trash on the floor, that's something to do, if there's, um, a toilet stopped up, I'm not going to go call somebody. That's something to do. If there's, um, if I know that I walk through the Sunday school area and I'd walk in to Sunday school and I walk into the, to the, the class and I put my Bible down and then I'd go back and go to the restroom and whatever, because we tend to get there again with parents being Sunday school teachers. And we're always one of the first ones to church. So it was always that you might be the first one in if I seen the chairs so I was using that room the night before and the chairs were out of out of alignment. I'm not going to walk out of the room and then come back with 30 people in the room and everybody's sorting chairs out. I'd go ahead and start there's work to do. Yeah. So when you have that mentality of showing up and there's work to do, that's that's kind of the way I grew up. But then now that being in the middle generation, there's younger backs, there's People that show up earlier than I do now. There's other things, so there's people doing a lot of what I used to do. So now I find myself, what, what do I do now? So the dynamic shifts. That's when you find the leaders want to lead with hands on, but you really don't need to. Yeah, you need to impart and teach right. and let let them do the work. Um, so. It's important to know that the what ministry looks like. It's the dynamic shift is going to change with age too. Absolutely. So don't get frustrated when you can't walk the streets of Indianapolis and knock on every door and hand out three thousand flyers on a Saturday afternoon. Um, know that you can show up and on a Saturday morning at church and intercede for the pastor. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You can lift up the hands of the Sunday school teachers. When's the last time? When's the last time there's been a focused uh, prayer from an individual or group for our Sunday school teachers, for right. our youth ministry, for, I mean, I'm talking, why not Why not get out of the sanctuary and go around the church and lay hands on every chair that the child's going to be sitting on on Sunday? Where, where do we limit what we do? Right. Yeah. I think we limit our prayers by our location as well. Yeah. We can get stuck in certain ruts, but getting out of that rut and routine brings more power to, I think, the mental side of your prayer. Absolutely. Um, so how you reach out in ministry um, can potentially have a dynamic shift if you'll allow it to. Yeah. Because your ministry when you're 60 is not going to look like it was when you were 20. Absolutely. But yeah. people get frustrated because yeah. they want
0: that. Yes. Yeah. And it's all a part of growth. Right. the 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 tree the plant maturing and <clears throat> becoming something it wasn't when it was younger right um and you know kind of to that same point like you were saying sticking with like the whole tree plant analogy fruit analogy that the bible so often uses let's let's take a fruit tree for example you have a seed seed dies mm-hmm. Grows and the tree, the tree grows over time. Years, it takes a fruit tree years to actually get to the point of being able to bear sustainable fruit. Right. But and I think Brother Gleason uh, made this analogy in his book "Fall to Lead." I believe the fruit that a tree produces is not for itself. It does not benefit from its own fruit. It, it doesn't. It doesn't receive the nutrition from it. It doesn't receive the vitamins and the minerals from it it's all outgoing yep. that 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 tree grows it bears the fruit but then the fruit falls and gives seed to another right. and so using that analogy for you know whether it's discipleship or whether it's a particular ministry that we that we operate in the uh, on a church level the fruit that we produce in our ministry that's not for our benefit you know, we we do benefit from fruit, but we benefit from somebody else's fruit, and right. they benefit from somebody else's fruit, and they right. benefit. That's why we're all connected. That's why we're all one body because we right. all benefit from each other's fruit. Exactly pouring into one another. So then, the fruit that we produce in our ministry is going to benefit somebody else. Yes, and we have to understand that because we have to understand that it's it's a continual just you know just cycle, right. cycle. So as we pour out, we are poured in too. Yes. And if either one of those lacks, the ministry is not being fulfilled. Right. Um, so with regard to to ministry and relationships and serving, um, as we kind of get to the latter portion of this episode, we got about 20 minutes left. So I want to kind of go down the vein of John chapter 13. So in that, we have the narrative of Jesus meeting with his disciples. You know, John, I believe it's, uh, when does it start? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it starts with John 13, up through, I believe it's John 17. Is actually, yes. Yeah, John 13 through 17 is the most in-depth account of the Last Supper that we have across any of the four Gospels. You know, a lot of the four Gospels um, confine everything that was said and done to one chapter or even half a chapter. But John really takes his time unpacking everything that happened in that night and one of the very first things that happened was arguably one of the most powerful things that happened and that was the role that jesus took on the position that he took on right um which is he took on the role of a servant and he washed his disciples feet so i really i really want to like like I said, for the latter portion of this, focus on that because he is our example and what he did here is, is, is critical. Right. And so, if you want to start us off um, and kind of just begin to unpack what all transpired here and how it correlates to to us and how we uh, replicate that
1: in our own lives. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the disciples were at a stage of entertaining their teacher at this point. Um, They honored him. They wanted to, I think we find a lot of parallels to what we do in church. They wanted to honor the man of God um, probably more than they, they wanted to example. Um, so they, they thought that honoring him was putting him above people and putting him out of touch with people that they were theirs, um, kind of had them to themselves. But the, the way that God wants us to honor him is to, if you love me, you love your neighbor. Yeah. So the way you honor God is you honor people, you love people. Um, the way you, you love God is, um, you serve people. The way you worship God is, um, you transfer that love to the, to the nations, to the people. So it's this dynamic that they've, they're, uh, spending time with him and the servant, what he's trying to do is bring this dynamic there as a, as a servant, um, and showing them what it is to, to, uh, um, to break through that, that barrier, I guess, uh, to break through that dynamic and and get into a fulfillment of everything that he's done. Um, and not to go back to the tree mentality, but for the illustration purpose of what he's trying to, to work through in them, um, the fig tree that Jesus walked by in Matthew 21, it had... Um, he walked by it and made the statement that for three years now we've walked by this tree. It's got nothing but leaves on it. It's never had fruit, just leaves. So the fact that he was ready to curse it or he wanted to curse it and die. And then I think it was one of the disciples said, Lord, let's walk by it. give it another chance. And the fact that he said he walked by it for three years and it had been that way, um, the compassion of that disciple was honorable, but at the same point, Jesus was identifying that there's there's a pattern here that's already transpired. I've already been patient with it. <clears throat> and basically, the, the status of that tree is referring to where are we on our level of growth. What he's trying to transfer to the disciples here in the Last Supper, in these, um, these meetings, is what... Where are you at in your growth stage? I mean, have you really received of me to where you're doing and imparting to the world? Or are you just trying to enjoy my company right. and entertain me so I can entertain you? So that's the dynamic of the church that we find um, even today is that there's people that they'll be faithful all day long. They'll show up when the doors are open. Um, but do they ever bring anybody with them? Right. Um, are they talking to anybody outside of church? Church is their identity, yes. They'll say that all day long. But are they, are they a voice in their world? Are they a servant to those that are lost? Are they honoring God by loving people? Um, so it, it comes down to that. Basically, a fig tree that just has leaves. Leaves can be used. Fig leaves can be used to make teas. They, there's a purpose for fig leaves. However, they're also a product of the tree itself. As you said, it, the fruit is not for the tree, but the tree itself, the leaves can be a protection. The 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 tree itself, the branches, everything can be, um, that is where the nutrients and everything go forward. Um, and it's funny because last night I was driving with uh, my youngest, uh, Zaylee. We were driving out of the church and she said... Uh, she said, "Dad, why do why do trees have? Because there were some leaves on the ground. The wind blew them off." She said, "Where do the why? What keeps the what keeps the leaves on the tree? Where do the leaves just come from on the tree? Because to her, it's just the stems, and all of a sudden, trees right. leaves right. just appear." And I said, "Well, the leaves bud at the points that the tree decides there's going to be a a bud and a, a something pop out." And I said, "But it's the nutrients that come up." She said, "So." The branches have they they produce the 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 leaves, and I said, yeah I said as long as the and it's this correlation as i'm speaking i'm it's speaking to me, but I'm just giving her information, and I said, yeah, as long as the branches are connected to the trunk, yeah then they're getting the nutrients that they need to produce the fruit and the the the, the leaves right, yeah, so in." That's where the, um, I believe it was in John 2 says, um, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So as long as you're connected to the vine, to the trunk, to the the source, then you're going to produce that. But even when you're connected, you can halt the ability to send out. And you, you hoard that in. And I think that's what he was identifying in that tree was what he was trying to impart to the disciples at this moment is if you hold this in here, that's all you're going to get, right? I mean, you're going to get you four, no more. This, this is all, this is all my three years of ministry, 33 and a half years on life on this earth has done is this is, this is it, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to serve. The purpose is to, to die for, for one another. The purpose is to die out for the, the, the kingdom. So, um so the detriment there is the the struggle that we find every day is we got to find we got to evaluate where we are in our growth and understand that when we do have fruit it's not for us yeah it's to release that fruit to feed people to grow new fruit and other things. but if we look at ourselves and we evaluate and um, ask God to try our reins and examine our heart, all the scriptures we like to quote and the prayers of David and all but what do we really are we really meaning that right yeah and that what that means is take a step back and look at the tree that God's growing are you connected and even if you are connected are you producing mm-hmm. if you're not producing then you're just a tree that's a shade tree for those that are local that's it you're not you're not benefiting you're not producing and when you're a fruit fruit bearing tree and you're not producing fruit There's trees that don't produce fruit, and they're shade trees. Yeah. That's fine for them. Right. But if you're a fruit-bearing tree and you're not producing fruit, you could be fulfilling the same exact role as another tree, but that's not your role. So that's the thing in ministry, too, is no matter what role you have in life, whatever age, whatever season of life you're in— Mother, new mothers that have babies you 're not going to get very much service time because you've got roles you've got a role to play, but you are fulfilling a very dynamic role in that child's life Absolutely. you you have a different role and it 's a season of your life, yeah, so don't be frustrated with those things yeah there's many different seasons going on at the same time, but depending on your age, your season of life, everything, know your role and what you 're called to be and what God's called you to do and and fulfill that with a servant's heart and servant mentality. Um, So I think what God was doing was speaking through the ages and trying to correlate. Don't leave it here. This is, and don't take me literal. This is not a cannibal situation. Okay. This is, you're going to partake of me in everything that you do. um, There's so much more that can be unpacked there, but there was, it's a servant's mentality that was trying to progress a generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: so, with uh, with Jesus's interaction with his disciples, um, we kind of we already mentioned it, but we talked about how humility we could define it as uh, losing your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, in 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 this. We see that in this passage with Jesus. It says that he took off his outer garment and wrapped around his waist the servant's towel. Yeah. Um, And then he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. And so, with ministry, one of the... And again, this is a detriment that we oftentimes, you know the detriment, the uh, uh, false mentality, false mindset we oftentimes have is uh, so often we associate ministry with glitz and glamour, yeah. uh, uh, having your name up in lights. And you know, we hear it said and we, we, you know, get excited when it's said, but it's really such a true profound statement. There's only one name that matters. And you know, we get woo, woo. We, shoot, we shout and we hoop and we holler at that. Sometimes I feel like our shouting, hooping, hollering is not genuine. It's just reactionary. Reactionary. Yeah. Because it's really funny if you if you watch some of the if you watch and listen to some of the things that we hoop and holler over, it's like that wasn't a hoop and holler moment. That was a wow. Let me fall on my face and bury my face in the ground and repent because I have a convicted heart moment. Yeah. Um so sometimes our, our, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a interesting
1: correlate, you know, one over yeah. there. And it, it depends on, yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes, um, and it's not in a judgment way. Um, and I, I hope it's not taken as such, but it's hard to, it's, it's difficult when you, because your heart breaks for people that are going through things. Yeah. Um, but when they're going through things and you know they're going through things, but yet in those moments you see them default yes. to this reactionary response rather than, okay, that word was spoken. I feel it Yeah, that that word was spoken directly to certain people, but it went right over their head because they've checked out, they've disconnected their needs to where they're not looking for an answer. They're yeah. looking for... Um, antics I yes guess. so they default you, you go into default mode and this is what's expected of me and and for multiple reasons people sometimes do that because they guard themselves right they don't want people to know that they're going through things they want everything to look like everything's all right so if i'm shouting i'm okay well that's when you understand that it's okay to not be okay um it's okay that if you are going through some things it's okay to to react but here's the dynamic shift is there used to be and i'm not saying that yesterday, yesterday's preaching or or, or uh, services were better or more powerful than today's i'm not saying that at all i'm saying our responses could be different but you can only speak from the past i can't speak from what's going to happen in the future because right. I, you don't know, you can speak what you want to happen what's happened in the past is when a word goes forth and it ministers to somebody, that person can respond in the moment. And I've seen them walk to the altar or stand up in their chair with tears streaming down their face and raise up their hands or even still in a seated posture, raise their hands. And it just moves the crowd Yeah, because they are yielding to the spirit and they are allowing the word to, to penetrate through the barriers and they're receiving what they need even though it's 10 minutes into a sermon. Yeah. But because of that, there there is a shift. Yeah. And that anointing begins to move the preacher even more so and begins to move this person. And that's when you interrupt the service. The Spirit interrupts the service. And that's truly being Spirit-led.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: You don't have to get through your notes mm. when that happens. Um, but that could happen, and you could still begin to minister, but you encourage people to continue to pray. That's when people don't default to a response. Yeah. They default to the word. Absolutely. Because you have to, you have to put that foremost, but you have to make up your mind before you go in. That's what you're looking for. Absolutely.
0: And all of that, you know, may kind of seem like a, like a little, uh, rabbit trail there, but really honestly, all of that still very much ties into, Ministry because, as you said, toward more toward the beginning, we not only minister to people, we minister to God, yes. and knowing the distinction between those two, and uh, uh, allowing God to speak into your life, al- allowing yourself to become vulnerable to god is part of that aspect of ministering unto him right that's presenting yourself unto him uh sincerely and holy um and so just but all of that all of that all of that goes back to humility
1: yeah
0: because you're never going to allow yourself to get into that place of vulnerability if you're not humble because you're going to be concerned with what everybody else is thinking, or or, or, or whatever. Even though, even they are th- probably not thinking anything about you, but it's right. those, those 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 strongholds in our minds. Yep. Uh, and so, humility is really Brother Brother Hernandez said it well. Humility is the foundation for every aspect of ministry, yes. whether it's us ministering unto God or ministering unto people. Right. Being willing to lose your identity. And being willing to allow God to impart to you the identity He has yeah. for you. Um, but we are at the end of our episode here. Um, pray you all enjoyed it and gleaned from our halls of wisdom, as Pastor Fisher <laughs> said prior to this episode. In Jesus' name. thank you again for joining in with us today. We we don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We know that we all have busy lives. And the the fact that you took time out of your day to join us and listen in with us, it it means so much to us. We pray that what was talked about today was a blessing to you and impacted you and made a difference in your life. And if it did, We would be so grateful and so appreciative if you shared this episode with someone you care about, a loved one, a family member, or a friend. It would mean the world to us. In Jesus' name, God bless.